Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. All right. Well, man, I am so excited about our new series. Uh, Last week, we opened up with talking about how we got the Bible. And uh, today, I want to tackle a big question. Why is the Bible such a big deal? Have you ever wondered about that? You know, almost all Christian churches say something formally about how important the Bible is, but almost all of them have quietly set aside parts of the Bible or topics in the Bible that aren't convenient truths or might offend some people, which is really silly because when you think about the gospel, the gospel itself is pretty offensive. The idea is this, that the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. That can be offensive. The Bible is a big deal, and not just parts of it, but all of it. And it's where we find our source of truth. And one of the greatest ways that we get to know God is through the scripture. So right now, followers of Jesus are confused with how much of the Bible they need to live to better their lives. And should we really base our lives on all of the scripture? Aren't some of the parts of the Bible just pretty old school? I mean, really, does everything relate to us or is it kind of outdated? When the Bible says X and you believe Y, where does that leave you in relationship to God? How do you know what to believe and how to live it out? The church cannot live without the Bible. The authority of scripture is referring to God's authority that's being exercised through the scripture. And so my hope for you today is for you to see that you can trust God's word for your life and that it has the better authority for your life than any other source of any other authority. So you're going to need your program notes this morning. And so let the ushers get those to you. Raise your hand. You'll want these to follow along. Uh, We're going to look at three reasons the Bible is such a big deal. And the first reason, you can write this down, that the Bible is such a big deal, number one, is because... Jesus said so. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, at the end of Jesus' most famous talk that he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, he says these words. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus taught as one who had authority. Authority simply means the one that's in charge. Jesus wasn't speaking as one among many good teachers. He was teaching as the authority on scripture. The authority of scripture starts with the reality of Jesus Christ. Andrew Wilson wrote, our trust in the Bible stems from our trust in Jesus Christ. I don't trust in Jesus because I trust the Bible. I trust the Bible because I trust in Jesus I love him, and I've decided to follow him. So if he talks and acts as if the Bible is trustworthy, authoritative, good, helpful, and powerful, I will too, even if some of my questions remain unanswered or my answers remain unpopular. How do I know the Bible is such a big deal? Why does what Jesus 
and the Bible say matter so much? First of all, because of the resurrection. Let me be really clear. If someone finds Jesus' body uh, tomorrow, I'm no longer a Christian. The entire Christian faith does not hinge on all the unexplainable things in the Old Testament, but it does hinge on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The other day, Tracy and I were uh, trying out a new breakfast spot, and I was really excited about it. We're really into healthy eating, and Tracy's into healthy eating at a whole other level. And, and so um, I, I found this spot, and I thought this was going to be perfect, and I'm really bragging on it. We, we just arrived. We sit down. I go, Tracy, they like blend sweet potatoes with red potatoes, and it's organic eggs. Like, wow. And so she immediately just starts shooting it down because she looks over the menu like an expert, and she tells me, there's not one organic thing that exists on this menu. And then I'm kind of frustrated because I, you know, I researched this place and I go, oh yeah, well you can't prove Jesus exists either, which fortunately we can, okay? But it was just a moment where I was trying to, you know, argue my point. But here's the point. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he has no more authority than any other teacher, Andy Stanley said, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says, right? So how do we know that Jesus was resurrected? I could give you a lot of reasons, but I'm just going to give you my top four. Number one, you can write this down, the empty tomb. The tomb of Jesus was empty on the third day after his death. It remains empty today. Tracy and I, we went and visited the tomb, the garden tomb where Jesus was buried. It's still empty. You can't find his body anywhere. That's a historical fact, by the way. And if the body of Jesus was missing and never found, what's the explanation? Number two is the eyewitnesses. Here's a detailed list of the eyewitness accounts of the resurrected Jesus. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. More than 500 people, brothers and sisters, saw the resurrected Jesus all at the same time. That would be a pretty exciting moment that might launch a worldwide movement. It was staggering the number of witnesses that saw him, most of whom, Paul says, hey, are still alive today when he wrote this. Jesus appeared to many different people, many different places over a 40-day period after his resurrection before he went to heaven. Now, if one or two people would have claimed, hey, oh, I think I saw Jesus down by the, whatever, down by the water after, after the cross, you know, there would have left a little room for doubt. But we have more than 500 people who all saw him at the same time. Now, in a court of law, how many eyewitnesses do you need to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt? One eyewitness. The fact that Paul quickly speaks of all of these eyewitnesses as still being available, a few have fallen asleep, leaves no concern for the credibility of what he wrote. Number three is the deaths of the apostles. If the early followers of Jesus, if they had made up a story just like, man, you know, what are we going to do? We were following him. We're really embarrassed. And now he died. And, and so it's like, let's make up a story that he was resurrected. Listen, all of them except for one faced death. They were tortured and they faced death and they were killed and they were murdered. And listen, if you had made up a story 
At some point you're going, oh, you know what? I'm out of here. You're right. He really wasn't resurrected. But at the same token, if you saw a resurrected Jesus Christ, I think that would give you the power and the strength to face death. Number four, the rapid growth of the church. In the early days of the church, the Jews attempted to stop the spread of the resurrected story by persecuting the apostles. And one of the wise Jewish leaders in Acts 5 said this, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. And his words have proven to be true ever since. In 30 AD, there was no church. By the next century, churches existed all across the entire Roman Empire and beyond. And by the fourth century, Christianity had become the official religion of the entire Roman Empire. This was more than a social movement. How many of you, don't raise your hand, have have ever sold a multi-level marketing plan to your friends? You know, where you invite them over for dinner and then you share, you know, how they can have more time with their family and all be multi-millionaires. How did that work for you? Are you still selling that product? Listen, if it doesn't have supernatural origins, it's not going to continue years and years later. There was a supernatural spreading of the gospel clear to this day. Today, now more than two billion people are followers of Jesus. Now more than two billion people believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it has changed the world for the better. The Bible marks the foundations of Western civilization. The Bible inspired the first hospitals, the first schools, the first orphanages. Why is the Bible such a big deal? There's proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he is the final authority. And then look at this. Because the Bible gave us scientific facts that were humanly impossible to know ahead of time. For example, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Chronologically, it was about, written about 4,000 BC in the 19th century BC. And he says this, Job writes this in Job 26, verse 7. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. How would Job have known that the earth is suspended in space before the modern age of astronomy and space travel? Isaiah, he wrote in 740 BC, and he wrote these words. He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. The word circle in the Hebrew language, it means globe or sphere. They knew that the world wasn't flat back then. Neither Isaiah nor the scientists of that day could have known this. It was documented way before we discovered it through science. The hydrologic water cycle was described first in the word of God 1,500 years before a Roman engineer named Marcus Vitruvius in 30 BC actually explained it for the first time. You see, the Bible gave us scientific facts from God before they were humanly possible to even know. Why is the Bible such a big deal? Well, because of the predictive prophecy. You see, the Bible is majestically deep, deep in history, deep in principles, deep in meaning, deep in its ability to transform a human life. It includes romance and comedy and drama and history and science and archaeology and even the paranormal. It's, it's fascinating. It's breathtaking. It's full of intrigue and prophecy about the future, about the world, about our human lives. And if the Bible is God's message and teachings, 
Well, don't you think then the word of God should know things in advance, facts about our future and about our world? Wouldn't you agree with that? Many people want to know the future. I mean, who doesn't? We're drawn to anyone that can tell us a little bit about that. Some people go to fortune tellers and, and, and psychics and gurus and prophets. We're intrigued by that. We're intrigued by the unexplainable and the mysterious. It's part of what makes us following God so inspirational because we're spiritual beings. And God does know the future. And it's okay to desire something more in your life, to want to know something more even beyond the natural, to know your divine purpose and your future. One of the reasons the Bible is such a big deal is the supernatural, unexplainable accuracy of the fulfillment of predictive prophecies. Now, this is a moment when I'd like for us to kind of take a deep breath And let what's coming next really sink in. How many times would you guess predictive prophecy that foretold came to pass about the historical figure Jesus Christ? One or two? Five or six? Even two would be amazing to predict about Jesus way in advance. There are 456 predictive prophecies recorded in the word of God about Jesus before Jesus arrives on planet earth. Now here's just a few examples. Let me be clear. These were written down. These were documented in the word of God prior to these events ever occurring. Isaiah wrote in, for example, 740 BC. And in 740 BC, years before the historical figure, Jesus Christ, he gives the details of the birth of Jesus his mother, and his name. Now, just for fun with those that are sitting around you, what I'd like for you to do, I'd like for all of you to prophesy here in a moment, and I want you to give the name of the city of a future United States president when he or she will be born, and uh, it needs to be 500 years from now, your prediction, okay? So it's, it's the year 2,500 19, star date, 2,519, I want you to predict his or her name of the president of the United States. The prophet Micah prophesies the exact city in which Jesus would be born. Not 500 years ahead of time, 700 years before he was born. Now, let the length of the time register because our entire nation is only 243 years old. Micah predicts the birthplace of the Messiah 700 years before he's born. Now, here's another question. How supernatural would it be to predict the precise kind of death that an unknown religious leader would experience 1,000 years from now? Imagine the year 3019. Not only... uh, what that predict that human being in terms of a religious leader, but now predict a new method of execution, a new method of torture and death that has not yet been invented. And yet an all-knowing God in his word documents in Psalm 22, 1,000 years in advance, the death of Jesus Christ and the method in which he would die. Not only does the word of God predict the method of Jesus' death, it gives us really unique details that he would die between two criminals. 
that there would be gambling for his clothes. Imagine, just imagine how difficult it would be to predict the specific date and the appearance of some great future leader. Keep in mind, each one of these predictions were written, documented historically, and predicted in God's word before each event occurred. There are 456 of these predicted prophecies in the Bible just about the life of Jesus Christ. The chance of just eight, just eight of these predicted prophecies being fulfilled is 10 to the 17th power. That's 10 with 17 zeros behind it. Dr. Peter Stoner, professor of emeritus of science of Westmont College, illustrates it this way. Imagine covering the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, two feet deep, two feet high over the entire state. The total number of silver dollars that it takes to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep is 10 to the 17th power. Now, choose one of those silver dollars, mark an X on it, fly over Texas in a plane and randomly drop that silver dollar wherever you want to. Then stir up all those silver dollars, two feet high, that are covering the entire state of Texas. Then blindfold someone and tell them to walk across all those silver dollars, stop randomly wherever they want to in the state of Texas, reach down into two feet of silver dollars and pull out that specific silver dollar that's marked with an X. The chance of you finding that one marked silver dollar in the state of Texas would be the same chance the prophets in the Old Testament could have predicted eight of these prophecies about Jesus Christ in the future. The Bible is a big deal. Dr. Stoner concludes the fulfillment of these prophecies alone alone proves that God inspired the writing of these prophecies. No human being could have known this. Now meditate on the volume of this evidence and let it sink deep into your soul. Add to that this, the word of God foretells the rise and fall of every major world empire which ever impacted the Middle East. These are just some of the reasons why the Bible is such a big deal. Number one, because Jesus said so. Number two, because building on the rock is the only way to withstand the storms. In Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation, the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus viewed the scriptures as the authority upon which we build our lives. Jesus taught us that in life, you're gonna choose one of two foundations, rock or sand. The Millennium Tower in San Francisco gets a lot of news around here. It's a 58-story tower, and guess what? It was built on sand. 
and it is sinking and it is tilting and it is very expensive to live there, right? The expert engineer, they interviewed him in an article and uh, he stated this regarding using sand as a foundation. He says, I quote, in theory, it's a perfectly acceptable way to secure a building and it's worked pretty well for generations. The truth is the building is leaning and sinking because it was built on sand. What appeared to work as a trusted source is actually flawed. What is Jesus saying? Building on sand is not wise, even if it appears that it's worked pretty well for many generations. Jesus says, those who build their lives on my teaching, Jesus says, will be like a wise person whose foundation is rock solid. The point is this, this is a real choice in your life. It's, it's not just a metaphor. Proverbs says the principles of God's word makes wise the simple. The book of Joshua says that if you meditate on the word of God day and night, that you will be successful and you'll prosper. Do you want a stronger marriage? What does the Bible teach? Read how to treat one another in a marriage, in a relationship. You want great kids? Teach them the values of the way that Jesus lived and acted and behaved, how he served people, how he preferred one another, how he was unselfish and generous in all of his ways. The Bible says, kids, honor your parents. And and the Bible says, parents, don't frustrate your kids. What about money? Jesus taught on money more than any other topic. The Bible teaches us how to manage our wealth. Name a topic, and the word of God can lead you into really wise choices. Why is the Bible such a big deal? It's because Jesus said so. And it's because building on the rock is the only way to withstand the storms. Number three, because the Bible shows us God's way. In Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. This world is not as God intends it to be. It can be a very dark place. The word of God is available to shine a light on the very best path for your present and your future. Now, now more than ever, there are so many voices and they're so loud and they're all trying to get your attention and they have very differing motives and values. But you get to choose as a follower of Jesus what your worldview will be. And according to God's word, we can see With his light, in the light of eternity, we can see our lives. And one of the most important decisions that you'll ever make is this. What authority will you give Jesus and the scriptures? Why is the Bible such a big deal? It's the only way to discover God's way for your life. Now think about this. What would it look like for you in your everyday life to come under the authority of God's word? How would you start your day? What would that look like in your relationships, in how you date, in how you grow your marriage, in how you conduct your business, in how you treat other people, in the way that you would deal with conflict? You must decide within your very short lifespan on what and on whom you will build the foundation of your entire life. I want to invite the band out at this time. Why is the Bible such a big deal? The Bible is such a big deal because in a world that's full of chaos and confusion, it gives you a light to follow. Jesus says, I am the way, 
I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To follow Jesus, to let the the word of God light your path. Wow, there are plenty of other sources and guides that you can choose that would love to tell you what to think and what to believe. But only the word of God can show you God's way. Maybe some of you are here today and you haven't decided what you're going to build your life on. Maybe you haven't even thought of that. Just by default, you've been doing whatever you think is best. Maybe you're here today and you see so clearly that, that you need a better way, that you actually do need to choose. Am I building on rock or am I building on sand? The gospel of Jesus Christ is an open invitation. It's God's invitation for, you, for us to come home, to come back to him and receive a new life through Jesus Christ. And that invitation is available now. Your, your whole life could change today. If you wouldn't mind, would you bow your heads and just close your eyes as we pray, just out of reverence to those that are around you. Where are you at in relationship to the authority of God's word? What I mean is, if you were to describe how much of your life is following the word of God, your level of obedience, what would that look like for you? If you're here today and you say, you know what, I think I've been building on a mixture of rock and sand, but I want to shift to the rock. I want to come under the authority of God's word. For others of you here today, your heart is saying, you know what, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ today. I want today to be the day. I want to know that I know. I want to make peace with God. I want to receive salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but right where you're sitting in a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer. But if that's your heart to do that, would you just slip up your hand right where you're seated and just say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that before we pray. Go ahead and respond to that. Amen. Amen. That's great. That's great. You can lower your hands. Make this prayer your prayer today. Lord Jesus, I just want to recognize you. I want to recognize your death and resurrection on the cross, the power and the authority of your word. I want to come to you. I want to submit to your word. I want to follow you. I choose you today. I receive what you've done on the cross and how you were resurrected on the third day. And I want today to place my life, to trust my life into your arms, into your care, and to become a follower of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.